All right, guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. So we got to dig in on a topic here, Mike, that today I mean, it, it, you see Justin Thomas is struggling, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just an example. Everyone, you know, looks from the PGA Tour all the way down to us. We go through these these slumps, right? And I'm doing it myself. Yes. I, I had a it rough week. Yep. Yeah, last mm-hmm. week after playing some of my best golf. I got my handicap down for the first time into single digits. And then I I had a really rough week. And it, it caused me, it sparked me to kind of do a little bit of research and recalibrating when it comes to what I should expect, how yep. I should expect to play. And and I'm, I'm hoping that a certain degree of this is relatable to you guys and helps you if you're slumping. And if you're not slumping right now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it's going to happen again. It happens to everybody. But I think Justin Thomas is the perfect example of it glaringly in our face of how it can happen to the best players in the world. So we're going to dive into our own personal experience. I'm going to talk about handicaps, how to, how to get out of it, how to rethink it. We even have a poll that we put up that we polled you guys a little bit on how this affects you and whether you'd rather, you know, from a good round or a bad round, which one makes you a better golfer. We'll get into that in a moment. But let's first talk about JT. I mean, your, your, your guy is struggling. Yeah, he's struggling hard. But, you know, like you said before, they all go through it. I mean, they all have, they get hot. But JT's been consistent throughout his career. So this is kind of like, People are raising their eyebrows a little bit. That's why his buddies are getting asked about it. He's getting asked about yeah. it. I think it's just like every, like anything else, especially in golf, though. And like you said, you're going through it now. Something just changes, I yeah. think. And like, oh, and you just can't figure it out. And you try to work it out. You try to work through the kinks. But eventually, these guys are so good, they will break through it. I mean, it stinks to see him shot 82 on round one of the Open. Yeah. He bounced back with the 71 even par the next day. But it's still not going to get the job done if you're going to try to contend in a major. I personally think he'll be back like all these guys, Jason Day, Jordan Speed. They all go through their struggles. Yeah, but but look at a guy like Day, how yeah. long his struggle lasted. His took a while. I'm just glad to see him back in it, but but he was, I mean, he also, there was injuries and things like that that come into play. Don't forget that. Even at, at the amateur level at the, and at just the weekend hack level, just yeah. people are enjoying it. Your body goes through things too. Yeah. You have you know moments of less flexibility and things like that. But but JT, I, I think why it's hitting everyone so hard is because he for so long was always in the conversation. And and I think this is a blip on the radar long term for JT. Yeah. But to have him not even right now, he's he's not even on the bubble for the Ryder Cup. He's going to have to rely on on, a, on some something really big happening to make it enough of a case for a captain's pick for Jack Johnson. It sounded like ZJ was going to pick him in an interview. It did. They interviewed happen. him and just like the way he was trending. Yeah, talking about how he he needs that type of person on a team. Like you could sense, like just watching him, like oh yeah, Zach's going to pick him, no doubt. Well, you know what the thing is, he, and this is like where again, where a lot of it becomes a mental game at mm-hmm. some point. JT's quote, he said, you know, I love the team events. I thrive on them. I just enjoy playing with a partner could kind of ease me a little bit and relax me. So, okay, I get it. He's saying that like a a lot of where he's at and some of the issues that he's having is the pressure. I understand that. But to me, like if Zach Johnson was to pick him right now, you're picking him really just based on his way past performance, not his current form at all. Totally. And but to do you me, want that? That's what I'm saying. Does that put even more pressure on Justin Thomas to be like, now I really got to perform because I'm playing for my teammates. It's not just right. myself. I'm going to hang my head if I don't play well. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's going to be a, a – I think, like I said, I think he's going to pick him, but I think a lot of people are going to disagree with it. 
unless he steps up his game and shows something in like the last stretch. We'll have to see. He's, he's going to have to do something because right now he's not even in, making it into the FedEx Cup playoffs. No, he's playing at his the season 3M. could end. His season could end in, in two weeks, three it weeks. Could. He's playing at the 3M this week. He just opted into it to try to get into the playoffs. Can you imagine? You know, but again, we saw that with Ricky not yeah. too long ago. We saw that with a couple of other of his buddies. It just happens. Well, and this is where, too, like JT had said, you know, and, it, and I'm paraphrasing, but in, in a post-round interview, he said, listen, I still feel like I'm hitting shots like one of the greatest players in the world, you know, which no matter what, if he's got a little bit of a slump, you, you can't argue that he's not one of the greatest in the world, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm there with him on that. But he said it's just these little things, like it gets around the green and it'll lose a couple strokes, like mental errors and stuff, and I think it's a compounding effect of pressure. Uh, I think of so. wanting so badly to be back in the, in the it's, conversation. It's so funny you say that because with a lot of these guys, we just look at like the game. Maybe he's got to go work on putting, and then they start looking at stats. Where is he yeah. struggling? It could be a no, it could be mental. It could be problems at home. It could be anything with these guys. They're on the road all the time. There's so much that goes on. It could be anything, and you have to kind of bring it all back in. I, I keep saying this. I mean, I've said this before. It's probably the hardest job in the world to be a PGA Tour player. It really and is. And just keep it in focus. It just shows you. And it goes back to like what I say often is like how much respect I have for a guy like Tiger who was just so good for so long. Yeah. It's just, it's an anomaly. Mm. It is not yeah. the way That's it, the it is. from You know what I mean? Even, I think even like Rory right now. Mm-hmm. You know, Scotty Scheffler has been on an absolute tear for the last year and a half. But I'm thinking career-wise... A guy like Rory is another anomaly. It's yep. just, you, you just, it doesn't happen that often. And another example of this is look at Brian Harmon, right? Yeah. Guy went six year stretch and then absolutely dominated at the open. And sometimes, too, like we've talked about this before with, with guests we've had on the show, like about these guys working on just getting 1% better. Mm-hmm. And with Harmon, uh, you know, I can't attribute all of it to this, obviously, but they were asking about what some of the changes were. And two things, like one was an equipment change. He said he switched back to Titleist because he wanted, to, you know, specifically with mine, these windy, yep. tough majors. He wanted to have a little bit more of that that penetrating ball flight, and he and it, clearly it worked. You could say what you will, you know, as far as brand loyalty, but that helped him. And the other thing was a simple little change. Uh, he said he working with a different putting mirror just how he was getting his eyes over the ball. I mean, it's yeah. the slightest little thing. And and uh, he felt almost like he was saying like he was like almost hitting like a draw shot on his putts instead of like a fade. <laughs> like, I mean, it's minute yeah. just the way you come across it. Right. But those things made that big change. But let's bring this back and talk about how we can kind of learn something from this. We, we all know these things. We all know the pros are going to go through slumps and things like that. But we want to play better. And, mm-hmm. and more importantly, we don't want to – have it ruin our day when we don't play well. And and I relate this because I, I, I see JT's pressure. Obviously, this is his career. This is what he needs to play well. Uh, it's, his, it's his livelihood. You yep. know, he's set for life with the money he has, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The way I can relate to that is we've had a couple of big trips this year. I'm sure most of the people out there watching and listening, have, you know, occasionally put together a big trip or they've got on their calendar a course they've been dying to play. And the pressure starts to mount. It's like, I really don't want to, quote unquote, spoil this or ruin ruin right. this by playing poorly, <laughs> yeah, right? Totally. And yeah. for us, you know, we've had the road to Pine Valley. We've been playing some incredible golf courses. And I'll be honest with you, these courses are so exclusive. I'm playing with these the fully in mind. Like, Mike, this might be the first and last time I play this course. Right. That's true. And and, and that puts that pressure true. for me because like, I want to play well. So I've been playing well, and then I had two really tough rounds this last 
uh, this last week. We played <laughs> incredible week of golf. We played Matita Conk and we played Somerset, <laughs> Somerset Hills. Hills. Yeah. And <laughs> no doubt, I'm not going to take away how much fun we had out there, all those things. Cause I've, I've, I've calibrated my mind enough to know that like, I'm going to have fun and I'm not going to be the guy mm-hmm. throwing golf clubs and just ruining my day. But I didn't play particularly well. So I put this poll up uh, on the YouTube page and I said, which do you think makes you a better golfer? Now, I'm not saying which one you enjoy more. I'm saying mm-hmm. which one do you think makes you a better golfer? A good round of golf, which is a confidence builder, or a bad round of golf, which is a learning experience. And I thought the, the response is pretty interesting. It's heavily weighed on the good round of golf. Mm-hmm. A lot of and, and understandably so. I think I was playing well in Myrtle Beach. And I think it was a compounding thing there where I started as I play better. I find I trust my swing more. Yep. And I find I'm doing less overthinking out there. And I start to get a little bit more comfortable. And I can put a more aggressive swing on the ball. Less deceleration. Less second guessing my club selection when I'm playing well. What would you think? What's the answer for you in your case? I think for me, it's it's I would be with the majority. Because it's the confidence thing. When I'm playing well, I usually walk off the course just like eager to come back to it. Whereas, mm-hmm. and I guess this can also go into like... If you're on the other side of the coin, if you said, you know, I like a bad round because I'll, I'll go and learn from it, it's, I think it comes down to the people who are willing to go and learn at it. You know, I yeah. got a feeling like, oh, I had a crappy two rounds. Forget it. I'm going to give up golf for three weeks and I'll just come yeah. back to it mm-hmm. and you'll know, you won't change anything. The only thing you change was you just try to clear your head a little. Right. And, I, and you know, I just think like it, it comes down to the right person for it. So if you're going to be committed and go and work on that, then I, th- I could see how valuable that'll be. I couldn't agree with you more. It really just depends on if you're willing to yeah. accept the medicine yeah. and go out there and work on it. And, and really, that's where I look at it like short term and long term. In the short term, I think a good round is the better play because it's a confidence builder for your next round. In the long term. I think the bad round makes me a better golfer because I, the, this past week, for example, I lost a ton of strokes in greenside bunkers. I used to have a lot of confidence yeah. on my greenside bunkers. It yeah. went away. Wherever it went, who knows? Mm-hmm. But again, things happen and something clearly changed in my technique. And I think part of that comes from not practicing it enough, not thinking about it. But now losing so many strokes, I, I can't tell you how many times I would either not quite get it up and out of the bunker because I'm worried about these fast greens we've been playing or blading Just it over the green. Right, over, yep. right. And then now I, you know, I had one a par five. I was in a greenside bunker and two, and I made a double bogey. You can't do that. Yeah, you, can't. you can't do that. So that was my recalibration of saying it's in my face. It's glaring at me. I either face this down and use this as a learning ex- experience and do something about it, or I don't and I stay at my current level. So this might not help me on my very next round or the round after that, but long term, it's going to help. So what I did was I went in, I did a deep dive, you know, I hyper focused. I watched tons of YouTube videos, just as a refresher Mm -hmm. on greenside bunkers, how to play them, different types of sand, hard sand, soft sand. I got my 60 degree wedge out. Now I will say, I wish I had a way to practice it in the sand. I don't have a practice facility that it's just at my access Mm -hmm. like that some of these great clubs we've been playing if you're a member there it's incredible that you have that access and they've got some great facilities but i figured if nothing else i got into the the sim we have here it's not sand but i i 
practice the shots, opening up the club face, getting sure. a little bit steeper, changing my and and I felt like okay, I'm starting to understand this. Now I'm excited to get back out there and hit you know you get go. one in a bunker right. and give me a shot at it. Yeah. And the other thing too is like. I even, uh, you know, I, I like to dig in and just see what other guys are saying. Other guys have, a, you know, a suggestion. I'm on Reddit, you know, looking at what people say, like, how do you practice your sand game? Mm -hmm. You know, and during a practice round, a lot of guys say, listen, as long as you're not holding up the group behind you, throw a couple in a bunker, hit three, four bunker shots on a hole and move on. I don't you're think right, that's such a bad idea. Because no one ever practiced sand shots. Right. Only time you hit a sand shot is when you're in the sand. But this is the other thing, how we need to recalibrate our whole thinking. Like I watched, speaking of the open, I'm watching Brian Harmon warm up for his final round. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy who's hitting dozens and dozens of shots on their short game practice facility around those greens. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking about us. We don't hit one of those before we go out. No, right. We hit the range, get a little bit loose, warmed up, and we go out. Mm -hmm. We don't hit those. Now maybe some of you do, but you understand the pros are putting in eight hours a day. Yep. And I thought about this like this. It's also just the human body, right? And how we get accustomed to doing the same thing. If I crumpled up a ball piece of paper and put a garbage can over there and I said, Mike, 10 shots at it. Let's see how many you hit mm. and you do it right. Maybe you hit four. Now I say, spend the next hour <laughs> doing that. Right. And then we're gonna come back and remeasure you on 10. Yeah. I guarantee you the second time you make more in. Sure. So sure. I'm thinking like these, like you have to recalibrate your expectation. You can't expect to hit a perfect or a great shot every time if you're not practicing it. Yeah. So I, I, for me, although it was really tough to shoot not great scores two times in a row, to have that as that glaring thing of saying like, this is what you need to work on. This is what you need to focus on. These are the holes in your game. And if you can get those better, it, you'll be a better golfer long term for it. It helps me kind of get over the bad round. Yeah, and you got Baltus roll upper in three weeks, so you better get over it. Yeah, but uh, they I, no. put a lot of bunkers on the lower too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, no, I I totally agree with that. And and I wanted to ask you this question and like kind of fantasize for a little bit. Let's say you an hour before your next round, and in a perfect world, you show up to this course and the practice facility has a bunker, a putting green, mm -hmm. and a range. What's your What's your warm up going to be? How much time do I have? You have an hour. If I had an hour, what I would do is I would start by just hitting a couple of balls to get my body loose in general on the okay. range, right? Then I would love nothing more than to go over that short game, especially because one of the things is that we've been playing different courses. Yeah. Every course, the sand is different. Mm -hmm. the, the greens are different. I would try to hit some of the shots that I'm going to see that day. So I would do a couple of greenside bunkers. I would do a couple of chips from the rough, yep. a couple of tight lie chips, and just see. How am I hitting them today? Uh, how, and, and now just having that familiarity that like maybe on the second hole now I'm in a greenside bunker. I've been on a greenside bunker that day. Yep. You know, then I'd, I'd, I would uh, Roll. hit some putts yeah. and, and just get a feel for those greens and how they're going. And I think that that's a way that you see a lot of the pros warm up and there's a reason Dude, for it. Dude, that sounds like a good recipe for you. I see you going low if you Oh, do I that. would love that. But yeah. I'm also a guy who I know my body. Yeah. I need to warm up. Yeah, you need to warm up. I have up. a lot of tightness in my back and stretching is, is great. Uh, I stretch now every day a little bit just to stay generally loose, mm -hmm. but I, I feel it. My first swing of the day versus my 10th are two different swings. Yeah. So I also have a function of having to physically warm my body. But for this, I mean, how much better I feel like you can perform by just getting a little bit of a feel for the conditions of the day. And that's what so many of these pros are doing. 
Brian Harmon warming up that day before the Sunday round of the Open wasn't working on any technique. Trust me, that guy right. with a five-stroke lead is not changing his technique. He's not changing anything. Yeah. He was saying getting a feel for the conditions. Mm-hmm. If I hit, you know, this low runner, how's that going to be in in this in these wet rainy right. greens? If I hit something high and he would just hit them over and over and then now he goes out there a couple minutes later he's probably faced with a shot that he was just hitting on the in the practice facility and he can do it. So, I think that's important. But the other thing too is like mm-hmm. from a mental game standpoint. And I'm saying this hopefully it it helps and relates to one of you out there because it, it it's been a help for my recalibration because it can be a huge knock to confidence to have a couple bad rounds in a row. And you that can create you feeling less confident and putting less good swings on the ball and stuff like that. So it's got to recalibrate. So two things come to mind. One, we had the round that we played with James Nicholas, who's yep. incredible. Corn Ferry tour player. He's played on the PGA Tour in, in certain events. And his outlook is more, I learned more from his outlook on the game than I learned from his swing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what he told us out there is he said, when you hit a bad shot, get in accustomed to and get in the habit of saying, good. Yep. That little thing that says to your mind, instead of like, because I can, I know how it is. You start hitting a bad shot or bad shot too. And like, now you start trying to do things you can't do. You have swing less confidently. He said, for example, good. I hit it in the green side bunker. That's an opportunity for me to, to practice that shot. That. Yeah. Good. I blew it past the hole on that putt. Now I know the green speeds. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not just, you know, blowing smoke. It's not just whatever. It really does something different to your brain chemistry when you say good rather than hanging your head. That makes sense, man. And it's true. It it's yeah. like we're out there. We're not playing for big no. money. We're, we're, we're out there. We're playing to get better. Right. So if you can say, if you can hit a shot into a spot like, okay, good. I hit it in the fescue. I'm going to learn how to hit it out of the fescue. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, good. I, I didn't get it out of the fescue. Now I know what I did wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That changed a lot for me. The other thing that changed a lot for me was was expectations of how we should score. Totally. Something changed <laughs> in my mind when I started playing better golf this year and I, for the first time ever, got down to a single handicap. All of a sudden, I'm expecting myself yeah, to be knocking on the door of, of, of 79 every time. Mm-hmm. I shot a couple rounds in the 70s. I'm expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't. <laughs> I no. shouldn't. This is so interesting. Before we went out there and played Somerset, um, our host, James, he goes, Frank, what's your handicap now? And I'm like, I'm a nine now. You know, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, enough to say. He goes, okay, you're a 12 here. <laughs> and I go, what? What? Well, yeah. first of all, it's the first time playing the course, but it's also an incredibly yeah. difficult course. So now think about this for a second. Par 72. It's rough math. Is it a 72 or 71? Uh, I'll I, okay. I'm not sure what it was. It was so let's enough. just use the example of you're out there playing okay, a traditional it. par 72, and let's say you're a nine handicap. Mm-hmm. So that means nine handicap, you should shoot, you know, 81 would be playing to your handicap. Right. I should not say you should shoot. And I'll tell you why in a second. Now, 12. So that's what, 84? Mm-hmm. So playing to my handicap that day should have been 84. Yep. I had what I thought was a bad round for me because when I look at the card, 90. Yep. You haven't seen a nine handle in a while. I have not seen a nine handle in a while. (laughs) But now I'm thinking back, what should I have expected? I did a little digging, and according to, you know, stats and stuff like that, you should play to your handicap once every four or five rounds. 
here I am thinking I should be playing that way every, every time. time. Yeah. But no, that's not the reality. The handicap is not the average score you shoot. It's what you're capable of. Yeah. yeah. So it means as a nine handicap, I'm capable of going out there and shooting an 81. If I shoot better, I beat my handicap, yeah, right. which happens even less often. Right. If I shoot worse, I didn't play to my handicap. But out of that, so think about that, six times out of ten, you're going to play worse than your handicap. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And, interesting. And it makes me think like, well, maybe that wasn't the disaster that I thought it was. Is there a stat for um, amount of times you should play better, beat it? Like better than I'm sure there is. I'd have to okay. Google it. If anyone curious. knows off the top of their head or put it in the comments, but it's certainly less than one out of every four or five. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So th that, wow. that it, it's saying like maybe one out of 10, one out of nine times you play better than your handicap. So that's I think it's a, by recalibrating that a little bit, be like, okay, I, I, you know, that's not, I'm not falling apart. Right. I'm not right. slumping. I just had one of those rounds where I don't play to my handicap. Yeah. When you break it all down like that, it kind of you makes you feel a little bit better about it that. It does. Sometimes. Yeah, it does. And I think that that's part of what we do to ourselves as as amateur regular golfers is we we were a we we set our expectations way too high. Yeah. You know, we're I, not I, grinding eight hours a day like PGA Tour pros. We are not warming up for two three hours. We you know who was it we had on the podcast. Um, uh, who was talking about Justin uh, Jordan Spieth's warm up is two hours and ten minutes. Um, I'm trying to remember. We've had a lot of great coaches on the show. Van, Troy Van Beesen? Troy. Yeah. Troy Van yeah. Beesen, right. And he, all these guys, it was two hours to two and a half hours mm -hmm. are their warm-up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we don't warm up like that. We don't practice like that. I don't practice bunker shots. Why do I expect to be good out of the bunker? You know, I, know. I have to recalibrate that. But I also have to, when I'm bad, use as a learning experience. Like, I know I don't have a lot of time to practice. Let me put my practice into this. So it's just like, just... <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself is the, the way to say this in a nutshell. I love it. I love it in generalities. But in, in your particular situation, the last couple of times, we've had a, we've been carrying a little bit more baggage. You know, we're filming. <laughs> well, yeah. We're filming. We're walking. It's hot. It's like 90 degrees in the Northeast. So um, I think a lot of those strokes were also as a result of that. Yeah. Um, our host, James, at Somerset, he saw it right away. And he kept saying, he goes, he, he told me, he told you, he's like, Mike, I got to get you guys back here without cameras yeah. in the fall to just enjoy the golf yeah and you watch you'll go out there and you'll shoot like 79 81 82 whatever i hope so and i would love epic. that redemption I know. I know. but yeah the other thing that m most tour players are not doing during their rounds is, is is playing while having a drone controller in their hand yeah and they flying the drone a drone and then let me put but this hey we do it because we love creating the content and we enjoy it but but listen like i said i'm going to take it away as a learning experience i'm going to say to myself even if, if I can learn one little thing and get a little bit better, if I got 1% better from each bad round, over time, that's going to compound and make me a much better golfer in the long run. It's brilliant. So it's like, again, I, I got to find these ways to be like, even though I built up expectations, I couldn't wait to play the course. I may never play the course again. And I didn't play well that day. That's a recipe for getting, for hanging your head. I got to just look at it a little bit differently and see, you know, if that, changes things for you so that said let's do a quick break we're gonna do a word from our sponsors and then i want to jump back in and i want to give you guys a very important update we're going to talk about our upcoming indoor tournament at golf zone not uh, many spots left i hear there are not no. so if you're going to want to get registered we'll get you all the information if you are registered we'll tell you a little bit more about what we've got for you so far including 
uh, picking out that big trophy. Yeah, I need your help with this, guys. Yeah, so we're going to dive into that in just a second. Let's do a quick word from our sponsors, and we'll hop over to it. Guys, the Vokey Design SM9 wedges are products of superior handcrafted technology, and each one is an instrument of creative control. And, Mike, I was really enjoying just kind of in the back of my mind counting how many guys were using the new SM9s mm -hmm. at the Open Championship, yep. and it was quite a few. And there's a reason for it. They're really they're created from the most advanced materials. They're engineered to deliver ideal flight and spin and with, with grinds designed to release your best wedge play possible. So there's many ways to make a wedge, but there's only one way to make a Voki. Titleist Voki Design SM9 wedges, superior handcrafted technology. Find yours at Voki.com. FootJoy is the number one shoe in golf because they offer the widest selection of sizes, styles, and performance options of any golf shoe out there, whether it's the all-new Hyperflex and Hyperflex Carbon. And by the way, these things are pretty dope, too. Hyperflex trainers. trainers. I've been wearing them off the course everywhere. I know. <laughs> We're both wearing them We're today. We're both wearing them today. That's so great. <laughs> uh, so these, these shoes are finely tuned to power your game. And even that Premier Series, don't forget about the Premier Series. Uh, still one of my favorites. It's a shoe that's far and away the choice of more tour players than any other shoe. Worn by people like Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Will Zelatoris, Cam Young, Jessica Corda, and many, many more. Trust the brand that's been number one forever. And trust your game to FootJoy, the number one shoe in golf. And how sick did those Harris Tweed collabs yeah, look out cool there collab. it was it's just like such a perfect fit for the open it every is. year it is and i'm sure there's only just a few left those collabs sell out quick so uh -huh. go check them out footjoy.com and a big thanks to rap soto obviously you know we've been talking about them all year and loving the mlm2 pro yeah um and i just wanted to shout out a f uh, just a few of my favorite features and one is that shot dispersion feature and you could show an aerial view of your shot dispersion for deeper insights into how you hit the ball with each year clubs and it gives you more confidence with club selection on the course so that one is great and, uh, and target selection and target selection, if you know right? your dispersion is is right on on one club a lot it's not always necessarily changing your swing. It's just kind of changing your target selection, right. just knowing your game. Exactly. And you learn your game when you've got a launch monitor. Exactly. That's it. And and they and you learn the game by practicing. And with Rapsodo Combines, it's their award-winning combines. It lets you evaluate your entire game on the range. And you could do it so fast. You could do the whole thing in about 20 minutes, which I love. And and you should do this every day to get better. So you prioritize the areas for improvement and you create more informed, smarter practice plans than just whacking a bunch of golf balls out there. And then lastly, it's just like insights galore this thing i mean here's i'm just going to shout out a couple that you get carry side carry ball speed launch direction total yards and i mean with the new rpt balls that come with it you get things like spin rate spin axis descent angle i mean you can really dissect yeah. everything about your game so check it out for yourself go to rapsodo.com check out the mlm2 pro get it it's 700 bucks it might be the best buy for your golf game ever go check it out and let us know what you think of it all right, so our tournament at Golf Zone. It's going to be at Golf Zone Social. Uh, it's in West Nyack. It's at the Palisades Mall there. Uh, it's, what would you say, 45 minutes from the city? We're from the city. From New York City? It's 45 from Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah. And, I mean, and we've yeah. got people registered from pretty far away driving in Pennsylvania for Pennsylvania people coming in. Yep, from, yep. For sure. So one thing we announced this a couple of weeks ago, um, if you if you've just first hearing about it now, make sure you get registered. You can go to golfacy.com slash register. It's going to be an indoor tournament. We're going to have big prizes. We're going to be doing both stroke. Uh, it's going to be stroke play. We're going to have mm. both net and gross scoreboards. You don't have to have a handicap. We're going to use the Peoria system, meaning we're going to calculate your handicap based on how you play that day. Mm. And these are, without a doubt, and this is why we wanted to do this, the most realistic indoor golf experience we've ever had. Yeah, hands down. Um, a, 
you really got you really got to try these these simulators to understand it. There's zero latency, meaning it, you hit the ball and instantly you see the ball flight on screen. Mm-hmm. It's not like you hit and you wait and then you get a, a reading. It's multiple cameras are reading the the ball conditions, the club conditions, super super accurate. And what's most wild about this is the entire floor moves to simulate all the different lies so we're going to be taking on beth page black which you know is going to have plenty of elevation changes crazy lies you're going to get to experience all them in the simulator which i think is absolutely wild yeah and we've even got different lie conditions for bunkers greenside bunkers fairway bunkers the rough it's all there and the system is hyper accurate meaning no cheating we're going to be able to see every stroke uh, and on top of that, you have we play it all the way to the cup. The putting is great on these sims. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. Uh, I would even advise if, if you want to take it seriously, if you're in the area, get in there to Golf Zone and maybe get a practice Fire round in. Talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like get used to it um, because tell them about the trophy. The trophy, I mean, we're trying to do an epic trophy for this. So we're in the process of, of we're in the research process. Yes. I mean, I've been getting lost in there. And we can go like the crystal route. The, the metal cup route. I thought we might get weird and go like the Zozo route. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know which way we're going to go. So like, we need your help. Like what the kind of I mean, G? the G something. Yeah. That could be kind of cool. Yeah. You know, like the big G, um, one of our guys, Eddie was saying to get a, a wrestling belt or something, but I think we got to go trophy, actual trophy hardware. Uh, we'll figure it out, but help us out. What do you think we should get for this? I feel like the belts are reserved for the long drive. They should be. They should belts, stay long, long drive, drive. Yeah. trophies, tournaments. Yeah. And yeah, we want to hear you guys what you think. Maybe we'll put a poll up for that too. But for now, uh, drop in the comments. What do you think? You, you think in crystal? You think in yeah, let metal me. hardware? What what should we do? And let us know because we want this to be pretty. Epic. I want it to be real deal. None of this fake plastic type stuff. I want it to be a real legit trophy that I don't know. You could be proud of. You could come back every year and do it. Um, and you and I are not going to be playing in the tournament. We're no, just going to be kind of hosting. Hosts, commissioner. We're commissioner. We're going to be walking around trying to pop into all the sims. There's 22 sims. You know, we're trying to get 66, which I think we're going to get easily. We're so close. Yeah, we feel like 66 is probably our max if we put three per sim, 22 got the whole sims. place there. Yeah. But don't 22 let that, simulators. It's ridiculous. And if you're not playing and it's a spouse, bring them. It's a cool hangout. Yeah. They could probably fit 100 plus there. Well, and don't let it stop you from registering because most likely if we get over our number, we will have some alternates. And if someone doesn't show up or whatever... You, you can get in, but like Mike was saying, even if you're not playing or even if you don't want to play com- you know, in competition and just want to be there, we're also treating this as a meetup. So yeah. we'll be there all day. It's gonna, we're going to have just – we're just going to have fun. It, it, you, you know, you've got uh, drinks, food. There's going to be some hors d'oeuvres. That Rider Cup all over the TVs. Rider Cup. And the, get this too. Registration is just 25 bucks. And if you register, you know, it comes with a, a round of golf, which would cost you more to play a round in the simulator yes. than that yep. if you otherwise. So you're, you're already ahead because of the Because the game. round is going to take how long? Three to four hours, like a normal round? We think with three on a sim, it's going to probably take an hour and a half to two hours for a round, I think. It moves much faster it in a sim because you're not walking. Um, Let's call it two and a half hours. Okay. Let's just call it that. Okay. So two and a half hours, you're paying for that in the sim. That's an hour and that's 150 bucks. Yeah. So you're already way ahead of the game. And on top of that, um, 
Golfstone Social is going to be providing uh, some hors d'oeuvres. There will be a cash bar. There's also a full menu. The menu there is fire. If you want to order the something. The corn salsa dip, right? The corn salsa dip. That That's something cannot miss. Yeah, yeah, you cannot miss uh-huh. it. So it's going to be a great day. But like I said, get registered. And if you are registered, I'm just going to ask one thing. is like you really hold to it because it could be taking up someone else's spot. Uh, if you're not able to make it after you register, just make sure you you know let us know, and mm-hmm. that way we can kind of take you off the list because we're really going to hold to it. And then we're asking handicaps because we're going to try to pair similar handicaps together just to keep yeah the flow a of, lot it of it moving. Details still because I've even gotten some questions from people like, can I play with a buddy or like I'm bringing my son? I'd love to play with them. And and you know what, Golf Zone Social they're going to handle all that. They're going to be putting all that together. So there's going to be a ton of details coming. And you know I think with Ryder Cup being in Italy. Yeah. five hours ahead i have a feeling this could be something that can happen during day and we can even wrap up like not too late in the day yeah. so if you're driving two three hours home some of you are um, we will give you guys the final timing yep. we haven't ironed all that out yet we just wanted to get the date out and get stuff that like that um out there so everyone can get registered but like mike said we're, we're leaning on like they're the tournament experts golf mm-hmm. zone social so yeah. they're gonna be running a lot of that we're just gonna be there to uh, assist you know yeah. See everybody and just basically and, get the word out. And we're going to host one epic trophy ceremony. Can't yeah. wait for that. Yeah. Not to mention, I think I, I can't believe we're, we're kind of glancing over this, but the prizes. Yes. We, we've yeah. already got like $2,000 worth of prizes. We just started. And yeah, yeah. So that prize pot could go way up. Now, one thing I will say, we are not hosting the virtual open this year. A lot of you have reached out and asked about it understandably so it's been it's been a lot of fun running it these multiple years i'm not saying it's gone forever but this year we really wanted something that got people together physically and we just don't honestly have the resources to run two big tournaments in the same time Mm -hmm. frame we usually run at end of summer and uh it would just be an over ask to try to ask all the prize sponsors to donate to both yeah so we figure let's put all of our resources into one um and like I said, the the virtual open, I know some of you will miss it. We'll miss it as well. And we wish we could do everything. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do what we can with the resources that we have. And we're going to make this as great as, it, as we can make it. And we really want to put it out there way in advance. It's September 30th. Way in advance. So you guys can mark your calendars and get here for it. Because it's going to be a lot of fun. And if it really works out the way we think it's going to, we're going to try to do these more often. Yes, definitely. So... Be, be aware of that. But if you're not already registered, go to golfacy.com slash register. The details are there. You register on the form. You don't have to pay yet. You're going to pay at the door when you get there. It's $25 per person. Um, it's money well spent, trust me. And we're going to have a good time. So, Yeah, I mean, it, what was the only negative thing about our last meetup, and so many people, great people came, is this? there was three bays and it was just like you hop in when you wanted to take a couple shots right like this is like you're coming you're playing the whole time you're there tournament i think it's gonna be so you're getting fun. 18 holes in at beth page black on the, on best, the best technology that's out I know. there so I know. you're gonna enjoy it so we'll see you guys there make sure you get registered go to golfist.com slash register to register and we'll see you next week